Peter. They just heard about James, their other apostle being killed, and so they're going, okay, we need to keep praying because Peter, he's about to be killed. We need this guy. And so they're praying, they're praying, they're praying. And the reason Luke records this is because what's about to happen here is an answer to this church's earnest prayer. Oh, I hope this encourages you, church, to pray, pray, pray. May we be a praying church. And, and maybe some of us, you know, we might kind of get caught up in the weeds of our theology and go, well, if, if God is in control, why do we have to pray? Look, for some reason, in the mystery of God's manifold wisdom, he decides, I want to be in conversation with you, co-heirs of Christ. I want to work with you. I want you to pray. And, and there are some things that God will only do if we will pray. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to pray more and more and more. And, I, and I'm trying to grow in this discipline, okay? It doesn't come naturally to me. But seeing God do amazing things just encourages me more and more. And we see it right here in Scripture. Another miracle about to happen, verse 6. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between the two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And it's just this almost hilarious picture where Peter's just dozing off. It's the night before he's about to get his head chopped off by the sword like James, right? I don't know about you, but I think that's a cause for some anxiety, right? I don't know what you're going through today, but this guy had a reason to be anxious from a worldly perspective. He's about to die. He's surrounded Roman soldiers who hate him and are really doing the devil's bidding, right? And, and here he is. He's about to die, but what does he do? He's sleeping. He's dozing off. He's snoring. <laughs> How is this possible? I'm going to posit two potential possibilities. Peter himself says in his epistle, 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7, he says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting your cares on him because he cares for you. I guarantee you, Peter, he can't be at that corporate prayer meeting, but he was praying it up individually by himself. He was offering up, he was casting his burdens to God. Why? Because God cares for him. How many of us, how many of us, our anxiety, our anxiety racks up. Why? Because we think no one cares, I'm the one that only cares, and I need to take control, and I need to take care, figure out something, I've got to turn it over in my head, figure out a way. And, and we're so anxious, and we feel like we're the only one that cares about what's going on. But what we see there in that verse that Peter himself wrote, this same Peter who was in this prison, chained while sleeping, <laughs> he says, cast your burdens, your anxieties to the Lord because he cares for you. And you know what? He totally could have wrote, and it would have been totally right. He could have said, because God is in control, and that's totally true. But Peter knows, you can, you can believe that someone's in control, but that they don't care for you. Right? Like someone in power or whatever. But this God who's in control, which is already assumed, he cares for you. Everything you're going through, this God cares for you. That's why he cares for you. Like actively, not just like, oh, sentimental, he cares for you. No, no, he cares for you. He's literally the one that's taking care of you. So give all your anxieties over to him. Hand it over to him. It's out of your hands. Give it over. Dust yourself up. It's in his hands. Let him, the one who actually cares for you, be the one that takes care of you. Let him do it so you can have peace. Secondly, another possibility is in John 21, the risen Jesus, after he forgives Peter and all that, they're having breakfast, they're finishing up breakfast, and they have that conversation where Jesus restores him so gently. 
And Jesus tells Peter, look, when you were young, Peter, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted. But when you were old, someone else will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. That is to your execution. When you are old, Peter's going, I don't have many gray hairs right now. I, I think I'm not old yet. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so if Jesus' word is true, it ain't going to happen tomorrow. I can take a nap. Do you see? So check this out. How many of us, how many of us, we're so wracked with anxiety because we don't believe the word of God and his promises. And when we're sitting there, we're striving, we're restlessly, we're, you know, we're getting so worried because we don't believe in the word of God and how he takes care of us when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And this is every issue, whatever it is, your relationships, your finances, your future, everything, what he's doing through the church. Do you believe what Jesus has said so you can have perfect peace? What does Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 say? Lord, you keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Will you trust in this God who is in control and he cares for you? Live in light of that word. Take a nap. Not now, not now. Um, okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Two, between two chains, sentries before the door were guarding the prison. Next verse, please. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side, woke him up, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself, put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Verse 9. And he went out and followed him. He did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. Can we go back to verse 7, please? So right there, he's in his prison cell. He's, he, remember, he's taking a nap. And, and, and the angel of the Lord, and, and sometimes the angel of the Lord can be God himself. But in this context, in the book of Acts, it does seem to distinguish, like in Acts chapter 8 with Philip, the angel of the Lord tells him, hey, go down to this road to the desert place. And then the spirit of the Lord says, go get in that chariot. So there seems to be a distinction here that Luke makes clearly. So this is an actual angel, angel of God that God sends in answer to the prayer of the church earnestly praying, right? And so the angel of the Lord, it says in Hebrews chapter 1, that they are ministers to the saints. That is ministers to the people of God. They help the people of God. You see that in Old Testament, New Testament, where the angels will protect, will strengthen, will even avenge, will deliver, all these things. That's what angels of God do. Okay, so that's exactly what happens. So God sends forth an angel from the heavenly courts to go into the cell. And you could just imagine, like, the angel of the Lord's like, all right, I'm here. Okay, Peter, you're just going to fall before my face. And he's just like, right? And he's like, you know, wake up. You know, he strikes him, you know. He strikes him, and, and he wakes up, and he says, get up quickly. Right, and the chains fell off his hands. And I just want this to be an encouragement to you is that if you feel like you're kind of in a dark trial, no depth is too deep, no darkness is too dark for the redemption of God to enter in. Look, in this prison cell, remember it's 16 guards guarding it overnight, chains, iron gate, but God just breaks in. God don't care. That's not going to stop him. <laughs> Do you see? It says, get up quickly, and the chains fell off his hands. So... I just got to be honest with you guys about something. A few weeks ago, it was like August 20th, I preached a sermon, I think on, on Acts 10. And I remember going into it, I'm going, I, I, I see all this supernatural stuff happening in the text. And, and, and I have some parallels that have happened in my life. I'm like, do I share it? Are people ready to hear this? I mean, it's right there, right? 
by the way, if I preach anything that's outside of the text, it doesn't parallel, like you can rebuke me. But I'm like, it's right here, right? It's right here in the text. It happened in my life. I'm going to share it. These supernatural things that were happening. And I was just like, I don't know. I'm feeling discouraged about it. I was going through some discouraging things in addition to that. And I remember I preached it. I remember afterwards, I, was, I just felt so discouraged. I'm like, I don't know how, how the church received that, you know. I mean, it's right there in God's word. I hope they see that it's right there. You know, I'm so committed to God's word. They've known me for 13 years um, as one of their pastors. And I was still struggling. Next Monday. <laughs> and, and Tuesday, I'm texting with a brother in Christ here. And he texts me. And he says this. He says, at the beginning of your sermon, all of a sudden I saw on stage someone with their hands on your shoulders praying over you. And then someone behind them with their hands on their shoulders praying over them. And this line of interceding prayer. And I was like, what? I'm like, praise the Lord. I was just, I was just so encouraged by that because I'm like, that was so difficult to get through it. That was a difficult week too. And, and what we see there is exactly what we see in Scripture, what the angels do, where God sends these angels specifically to strengthen and to help out the saints of God. That's exactly what happened here. I was just so encouraged by that. And, and I just want you guys to know that this is something that continues to happen through the book of Acts, and, and God does do that in our lives too. Some of us have entertained angels unawares, it says in Hebrews. Now, having said that, I don't want you to get too, you know, make the mistake like some people do where, you know, they, they bow down to these angels, you know, not realizing, no, do not worship these angels. Jesus is greater than he created all of these angels. These angels do the bidding of God. God says it, they go, and they do it. That's exactly what happens here. The chains fell off. So the angel is like, look, that's no problem. You got chains, and, and, he, and, he, and he busts them off, right? Verse 8. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals, which is interesting, right? <laughs> like, you could break the chains, but it's like, but yeah, like, you need to do that yourself, <laughs> you know? And he did so, and he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me, verse 9. And he went out and followed him, and he did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. Now, remember, Peter had just seen in a couple chapters before, you know, when, he, when they were preparing a sandwich at, the, you know, at, at that house, he saw this vision. Three times it happened. Right? And it was an actual vision that he had while he was in a trance. And so you, Peter might be thinking, okay, here it is. It's happening again. You know, I'm having this vision. But something even more supernatural is happening where the angel of the Lord shows up, sets him free from the impossible. And what we see here is, is Peter basing his present experience based on past experience. But God was doing something even more powerful. How many of us are basing our current experience in the Christian life and, and the way we're projecting it based on just the past. And you think that this is all that there is to the Christian life. I'm telling you right now, God, he has things that he wants to do, that he wants to show you, maybe even supernaturally, things that you never had experienced in the Christian life before. And it's going to be literally unbelievable to you if you're willing to go for the ride. Because Peter just cannot believe it. <laughs> do you see? He just can't believe it. He thinks it's a vision. He didn't think this was just real. Verse 10. When they passed the first and the second guard that came to the iron gate leading into the city, it opened for them of its own accord. This is the first automatic gate. All right? and, and they went out and went along the one street. And immediately the angel left him. Verse 11. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Let's pause right there. 
So Peter now realizes, looking in hindsight, oh my goodness, God was at work in unbelievable ways in the past and I didn't realize it. Hello. How many of us, how many of us, I, I want to encourage you, church, look back to your life and go, oh my goodness, God was at work in unbelievable ways and I didn't even realize it. And you might be sitting here today and going, well, look, today I got some things going on and this is difficult. I'm telling you right now, Peter right now, he's, he's still on the run. These Romans and Herod still want to kill him. Everything is not all good, but guess what? He's not where he once was. You too, child of God, you can probably say, because all God's promises are true, and I believe it, and maybe you might not see it right now. You might have things going on in your life right now. And you're going, it's so difficult, I'm discouraged, but I'm telling you right now, you can look back into your life and you go, wow, God was unbelievably at work, and where I am today is not where I once was. Let that be encouraging to you. He's at work, child of God. You might not see it right now. You might not see the full picture. But you got to look up in order to look forward. Here we go. Next verse. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. So remember, there's this you know, unceasing prayer meeting going on on behalf of Peter, interceding for him, hoping for rescue. And look what happens. This gets pretty comical, actually. Uh, verse 13. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda, which means Rose, came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate, right? So she's like, oh, my goodness, it's Peter. i got to go tell everyone. And Peter's like, oh, my goodness, this Roman soldier is after me, right? And he's like, Rhoda, come back, Rhoda, right? All right. Verse 15. This is what they do. They said to her, you're out of your mind, Rhoda. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it is this angel. It was really interesting, right? So they're, they're, they're okay, this is just so funny. They're like, all right, yo, we're going to pray. We're going to pray all night. We're going to pray for Peter to get delivered. And when they hear news, it's like, you crazy. God don't answer prayer, you know. <laughs> come on, come on. You know? You're out your mind, Rhoda, right? And then this is, and so she's like, no, he's at the gate. He's right there. And they're like, look, Rhoda, we don't believe in that supernatural stuff. It's just his angel. <laughs> you know, like, what? <laughs> right? It's just so comical. Right? And, 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 and they just, what's interesting is that, they, but they had this, like, mustard seed of faith where it was enough for God's like, I'm going to answer that prayer and send this angel of the Lord to go rescue him. But their faith is still lacking, right? In the gospel, what is that? Lord, I believe, but help my own belief. How many of us struggle like that? Lord, Lord, help our unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. It's his angel. Are you crazy? <laughs> right? Verse 16. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, <laughs> they saw him and were amazed. By the way, how ironic. It was easier for Peter to get out of that persecuted cell than to enter into a church prayer meeting. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's completely ironic. All right, and so they finally see it, and, and they're just amazed. They're going, wait, what? Look at verse 17. But motioning to them with his hand, he's like, be silent. Look, look, they're, they're still after me, right? He described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. 
Then he departed and went to another place. And so he's like, look, I gotta keep moving, right? Just common sense wisdom, keep moving, right? And so what he does is that he encourages them, look, God answered your prayer, so like keep it up. And at the same time, he's like, look, tell these things to James and the brothers. So Peter kind of essentially says, okay, James, you take my place in kind of leading the leaders here, all right? And so he goes and Peter disappears for a few more chapters and then it, it starts to focus on, on Paul. All right, verse 18. Now when day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what Peter, what had become of Peter. So that's a, a light way of putting, like, Herod is upset. And the soldiers are fearing for their lives, right? And they're going, oh, you did it. Why did you fall asleep? What's wrong with you? Right? All right, verse 19. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries in order that they should be put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent some time there. So what we see here is, again, this is Herod's way, control, control, control. And this is the church's way, pray, pray, pray. And love your enemies, pray for your enemies, right? And then trust God to avenge you. That's exactly what happens, is that Peter gets avenged by the Lord, right, in allowing this to happen. So, child of God, I just want to encourage you, if, if you feel wronged, by someone, like trust them to God. That's Romans chapter 12. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for God's wrath. That's what it says. Verse 20. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and when they came to him with one accord and having persuaded Blastus, cool name, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. So here is King Herod, source, historical sources say that he, when he's angry, he could like withhold food from the people. Okay, so that's likely what was happening. And, and so these people, the people of Tyre and Sidon, they're begging, they're pleading with the king for food. And check this out, verse 21. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took a seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a god and not a man. Okay, so check this out. So they are so desperate for food, so they just begin to flatter this king. This is very different from the church. The church is depending on God for provision and through one another. Because remember, just in the chapter before this, the church in Antioch, they're like, oh, the church in Jerusalem, they're going to need food because there's a famine coming, just as prophesied through the prophet Agabus. So we're going to send food. So the church is taking care of one another, but these people, they're like, we just need help from King Herod. This is, and so we got to do whatever it takes to get food from this guy. The church has a completely different approach for their livelihood. It's with God and with one another. Totally different. It's something to think about. And so, and, and so he goes out there. Uh, by the way, first century historian Josephus, a, a Jewish historian, who wrote documented accounts of things that happened with the Jewish people before secular Roman uh, sources, what he wrote about Herod was that he actually did this, and these royal robes had silver threading in it, so that when he went out, as the sun shined on it, he gleamed. It literally looked glorious. And so he does this intentionally, and he's giving this oration, this speech to them. They're shouting, it's the voice of a God and not of a man. And so they're just trying to flatter him, to just get what they want. And what we see here, what happens? Verse 23. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down. The angel looks really good at striking, right? <laughs> and because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Whew. So interestingly, what we see here, the angel of the Lord, he's a minister to the saints. And he can also avenge too. And so that's exactly what he did. The angel, it's the same word for strike in the beginning when he strikes Peter. He's like, look, I'm about to act on God's behalf to do something redemptive here. Um, but with him, with King Herod, 
The angel strikes him specifically to smite him. Oh, you want to be on good side, you all. God's side. It says in 1 Peter chapter 5, chapter 3, chapter 3. The Lord's face is against those who do evil. The Lord's face is against those who do evil. So Peter himself writes that. Josephus also records this, sorry, the previous verse, eaten by worms. Now, you might just read that and go, like, kind of imagine, like, some weird, like, sci-fi, all these worms are, you know, that's, that's, not, what, that's not what happened. Um, Josephus, that's a summary statement. Josephus, he wrote, and, and there are many um, historical evidences of this. Archaeology shows that this Herod, he had a major parasite problem in his stomach, literal worms. And it, it spread to his body and killed him. And he died in five days, breathed his last. So this, the biblical account, agrees with other historical sources as well. Next verse. But the word of God increased and multiplied. The kingdom of man cannot stop the kingdom of God. You might be looking at this world and looking at how crazy it is. Or even just at your own life and going, look at how chaotic it is. But what we see here is that, look, look, God's kingdom is continuing to go forward. The word of God. That is the gospel. It's continuing to go forward and people are being ushered into the kingdom of heaven. Man can't stop it. Herod's trying to stop it at the beginning of this chapter. He dies and the kingdom of God continues to expand at the end of this chapter. I want you to notice something as well. This chapter begins with upreach, praying to God, and then outreach. And then we're about to see here, verse 25, and it ends with inreach. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Remember, Barnabas and Saul, they left the church of Antioch to bring all that food and money to the Jerusalem church who's going to be going through a famine, right? And so they're there being for one another sacrificially in the bond of peace that they have in Christ. And so they're in they're loving one another as Christ loved them at great cost to themselves. So there was upreach, outreach, and inreach. These are signs of a healthy, spirit-filled church. Praise and prayer to God. Reaching out with the gospel to the lost and then loving one another sacrificially, forgiving one another, loving one another, serving one another by the power of the Holy Spirit. When they completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. So check this out. Herod kills James. Guess what? God raises up another leader. John, whose name was Mark, who would go on to write the gospel of Mark, which we've been reading for over 2,000 years. God's kingdom cannot be stopped, y'all. So child of God, I want you, I want all of us, myself, I'm preaching to myself, in our discouragement, we have to look up in order to look forward. Can we do that, church? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, God, Lord, that... You are so amazingly powerful and so good. And you are so in control and you so care for us, Lord. Forgive us for ever giving in to our anxieties and worries and fears. We turn from that and turn to you. We look up so then we can truly look forward to all that you have in store for us. And so God... Use us, here we are, for your purposes as we upreach, outreach, and inreach by the power of your Holy Spirit. Be lifted high in us. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.